Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Dodgeball Podcast. In this episode, I'm joined by Kevin Fry. Kevin, what's up, man? Nothing much. How are you doing, Steve? Pretty good. Um, so as we were just discussing like offline, uh, this has been in the works for, for a while, long time in the making, I want to say, but um, all kinds of places we can go to uh, in terms of you know your experience on both the NCDA side, the elite side, and whatnot. But um, I think what we'll do is we'll just start just from the beginning. Um, and that is what, what team or teams rather are, are you currently playing for? Uh, for the NCDA, I uh, play for Ball State. Um, and for uh, formerly elite, I guess USA Dodgeball. Now it's uh, my team Legion, which is like a compilation of NCDA guys. So nice. Yeah, it's gonna be fun to get into that um, in a bit too. And you're you're based out of uh, where again? Uh, Muncie, Indiana. So right in the there's I mean there's not much dodgeball in Indiana. So trying to trying to pave something here. Nice. Yeah, it's definitely a. Uh... Paving things is, is what I really want to get into too. I'm, I'm going to stop teasing the future conversation, but we'll, we'll get there. Um, and I guess, uh, so you're in Indiana. Um, I had you paid for Ohio for some reason. Um, sometime, like, is that where you, like, where is dodgeball for you other, outside other than Ball State? Um, there's not, I mean, there's not much. I mean, there's the Sky Zone, which <laughs> ironically enough, isn't that bad in Cincinnati. So sometimes we go down there with some friends, but I mean, there's no, there's no rec leagues that I know of. Um, I do know that when I went to the venue we're using for our tournament here, we're hosting a draft style. Um, they brought up to me that they were kind of looking, actually looking into starting like a youth dodgeball program. So nice. that might be something I'll be a part of in the works this next year. But other than that, I don't think there's anything rec wise or, club wise other than ball state so it's pretty much like for lack of better words kind of like a it's, it's dry out there for the time being it's really dry it's <laughs> a bummer man um well i guess we'll, we'll go into um your number so that that's something that's fairly new i've been asking people um do you have a do you have a number that you stick to and and if you do um why yeah actually um my number is 10 and I guess the reason I don't know, like the really the reason behind that number is kind of it was pretty impromptu. Um, when I signed up, when I played for uh, Kentucky, they were like, "Oh, we need a number." I was like, "Oh shoot!" <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I didn't know what to pick, so I was like, you know, what the heck, ten. I, I know I didn't want to be like a single digit number, so went with ten, and I guess it's stuck ever since. Really, the the only time I've had the switch out of number 10 is when I played a couple of times for rogue. Then I ended up being number 38. So. Gotcha. You said, uh, you play for Kentucky, uh, this dodgeball still, or. Yeah, that was, uh, that's actually where I started dodgeballs with, uh, the club team down there. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's awesome. That, that actually works out with the next question. That is like, what, what got you involved? So, what was your, like, how did you get involved into dodgeball just uh, in general? Well, being, well, being dropped down into college with no friends at all, going to college out of state, I didn't know anybody. And um, dodgeball club down there did a really good job of advertising their midnight dodgeball. Like, I didn't, I didn't even know it was a team call out. I just thought it was, you know, you go play some dodgeball and, you know, that's the end of it. But then, you know, I showed up and there's like, 
people legit like dressed up in jerseys and like just having a great time and there was like so many people i was like well i didn't know dodgeball was competitive at all but that's pretty cool so <laughs> i think uh, shortly after then i decided to start regularly going to their practices and eventually got into the swing of things and eventually joined the team so midnight dodgeball um what, was that literally at midnight or was it like just like late night gym time oh, this or was, yeah this was oh boy yeah it was at midnight i think it might have started at like 10 30 but it went on pretty late and it was a really good recruitment event nice um so you started at university of kentucky then yes okay and then what uh man bad at this uh what is the mascot? Because that's that's what your dodgeball team was after, right? Uh, Kentucky. Uh, Wildcats, is that right? Yeah. Okay. I think okay. so. I wanted to say Wildcats, but heaven forbid yeah. I'm wrong. Um, there are some people that know way more than I do about uh, college. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Kentucky Wildcats. Okay, that's cool. So, were you? Uh, were you, were you, you, were, you? You did you make that team? Um, and how many years were you there for? Oh, I was just there my freshman year. Freshman year. What? Uh, and um. Oh, go ahead. No, I was gonna say um, I was gonna ask like you were there for for a year, and then um, why change to Ball State? Um, I actually had a change in career path and majors. I was originally in engineering, and I, I realized you know that wasn't for me, and I seeked out a more affordable option of you know tuition wise at Ball State, and uh, they had a, the degree program of biology, which pretty really interested me, and that's when I made the switch and man, it's, it was, it was rough trying to comprehend, like I'm going to miss dodgeball like so much. <laughs> Never mind, Like, you know, you're transferring universities or you're changing majors or, uh, you know, just the future change. It's just, no, I might lose this dodgeball program. Yeah. It was all that. It was all of that all at once in a really short time frame. It's, uh, it's tough, man. We'll, we'll get into it towards the very end with like, you know, what's life like after dodgeball, heaven forbid. But, um, I mean, obviously for me, it's easy to say dodgeball has become such a staple part of my life. Um, I, I feel like once you take to it, it's just, it's always going to be there and it becomes like a consideration for, you know, a big move. Like if I move to this one city, like, Hey, what's the dodgeball scene? Like once I get settled. And so for you, I, I kind of want to get into this, um, Actually, no, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to save that one for later. I want to ask more about like the college dodgeball, but I do want to kind of shape your, your career, so to speak. So I'll, I'll push uh, pause on that one, but, um, just kind of going through the motion. So had you played dodgeball before, uh, Kentucky in any capacity? I mean, just pretty much like everybody else, you know, high school PE class, fortunately PE was, I mean, uh, dodgeball wasn't banned in PE class. Nice. But, um, you know, there was many different forms of dodgeball. There was, like, capture the flag dodgeball. There was, you know, um, there was the, what's it called? When there's, like, four-team dodgeball, you know, square do Is that called square dodgeball? Something like that. But I, I don't know. We played so many different types of dodgeball in, you know, PE class. So, competitively, I didn't even know. I, did, I honestly, God, didn't know dodgeball existed outside of PE class going into college and uh i'm really dating myself but uh what year was this for you uh 2016 is when i started college oh man yeah 
So, I mean, you, you'd seen the movie, I, I, I'm guessing. Oh, yeah, I know that movie, In and Out. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I mean... Feel, I feel, go ahead. Yeah, I feel, I feel everybody should, you know? Oh, yeah, no, it's 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 got that cringe reaction, like, oh, man, you played Oz, but it's like the movie, like, yeah, yeah, okay, got it, you know, 16 years later, please stop. But it's... I, I'm curious, because, like, you know, we, we started playing just before the movie came out, and so, you know, for me, like, the, the movie is kind of... Um, been around for a long time but for you to say like you didn't know that there was such a thing as professional dodgeball like did you did you ever come across like the national dodgeball league or elite dodgeball or ncda prior to uh college not really i mean when i was doing my search for you know to be involved in something in college when i was looking up through their website of different clubs and stuff um i did see like the dodgeball club but so i just i mean i just did a basic search of dodgeball and you know, really, when I started researching dodgeball and stuff like that, that really actually came a lot later because I was curious, you know, this was kind of between like, I've heard of Elite, but I haven't joined it yet, but I was in the NCDA. So, I mean, I kind of looked up dodgeball. Then I, you know, ran across like the NDL and I was like, you know, what's what's going on here? And I was like, oh, man, it looks pretty cool. But like, it doesn't look like anybody's updated the website in like forever. <laughs> Yeah. So I was like, it's probably dead, you know, died out. But I think, you know, it's pretty confusing, you know, trying to piece together the history of dodgeball just because it's so, so many pieces, you know. I mean, I beg to differ, but I've been such a part of it so long. It's easy for me to put those pieces together, but from the outside. And that's why I was kind of curious, like, you know, 2016, like this is when, you know, Elite was exploding. This is when everyone at this point finally accepted that the NDL is just trash. It's just done. And, um, you know, we're moving on to bigger, better things like Worlds and um, uh, WDBF and whatnot. Um, one thing, and I'm really excited to go into this with you, is just like the reverse. Like, okay, people seem to understand that the NCDA is massive, but like, I don't think we really fully get it. And so I'm really hoping um, to spend a lot of time in that. But um, before we do that, obviously, um, what uh what sports did you play growing up um so you mentioned like you had your typical uh, gym class which thank god they didn't ban dodgeball just yet or hopefully they never did but what other sports did you play growing up you know i ironically i never actually played sports really school at all oh, wow. i was a farm kid so <laughs> I had to go home and do chores oh man so you you were working your whole life probably since yeah. since a youth <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you know, involvement wise, you know, I was in 4-H and FFA. Right. So, so, so real quick, so is that like, is there like a competitive atmosphere to that or aspect to it or? Yeah, I mean, with 4-H, you have your, you know, competitive projects, which, you know, there's the livestock projects if you want to be competitive with those, which I was and I, I, I still am because we still, because we have dairy cattle, we still show dairy cattle competitively. And with um, FFA, there's so many different career co competitions. I mean, shoot, I had like 13 entrepreneurship awards or something like that by the time I got out. So nice. It's uh, it's not the competition of a sport, but you know, it's I guess it's still a competition. Yeah, still the in a, in a, in essence, um, you're trying to do better than somebody else, or you're trying to work towards something, an outcome. And, um, it's yeah. funny cause I remember seeing uh posts fairly recently, I think maybe a couple months ago of your actual, um, I forgot what it was, but you're, you're showing off something and, um, 
so I kind of, I was kind of tracking that a little bit. And that's why I asked you randomly, like, Hey, do you like rodeos? Like I, cause I just told I would be one <laughs> last week and I was like, Hey, you actually might know what this is. Cause, uh, yeah, I was telling some yeah. people, Oh, go ahead. Oh, you can continue. Oh yeah. No, I was just, I was telling people like, yeah, I'm going down to Tucson for the rodeo. It's like a big thing down there. And you know, my dad's really into it and you're just like, a what? Like they, they have that still? I'm like, yeah, I, um, I guess. <laughs> like Now I feel weird all of a sudden for talking about it, but, uh, it's like a staple for me, but, um, so no sports in dodgeball, um, yet you showed up to uh, this one dodgeball event. Uh, I mean, like, how, how, what was that like? Like, what was what was uh, was it difficult? Like, getting stuff thrown at you and throwing back, or I mean, did you do you have like a inclination towards athletics, or you know, how was what was your first experience like? Well, I learned very quick with pinch <laughs> that you have to learn how to pinch. <laughs> very quick, I learned that one. And I mean, you know, there, there's the veteran players there, and they're, 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 they have, they had a good balance of their limits. You know, you don't want to blast a new guy that just walked on the court. You know, you have to have the yeah. balance between, you know, making sure everybody's involved, which I feel they did a really good job of. You know, I did have a little sense of, you know, I, it, it crossed my mind like, am I ever going to be able to like pinch like them, throw like them, you know, because. Like I was trying my hardest to open throw a ball real fast and it was just so slow and it's kind of, you know, the, the, what's the word? Um, disheartening, I guess when you are throwing like really slow, then some guys come out of nowhere and just blast you. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I, I did, con I did contemplate, you know, like, will I ever get to that point? You know, I, with, you know, with the support of the guys after I joined, you know, I slowly but surely got there. I feel yeah, and um, man, if you're gonna learn dodgeball, pinch is like talk about school of hard knocks. Like literally, like that is where you must learn to get out of the way fast, and then you know retaliate, and throw throw fire back at people. Um, here in Arizona, obviously, people have the luxury of learning with foam, where you know if, even if Andrew catch and blasts you, it's not gonna it's not gonna kill you. Um, most of the time, you're not gonna feel anything, so you can kind of have that <clears throat> that learning curve. But um, pinch, man, I imagine you get you gotta learn pretty quickly. Um. And you said like the vets were, were pretty, pretty chill about, you know, not lighting you up the second you walk into onto the court and they're like, oh, yeah. incorporating new players. That's awesome. Um, nice. So 2016, so I'm assuming 2017 is when you went to ball state. Yeah. That's that summer. I actually did, um, several online classes. Gotcha. Well, actually, um, how did, how did you adapt? Um, Cause, that, Cause that's actually really interesting. Um, like, did you watch other people play? Like, did you develop, like, like, how did you, how did you learn how to pinch for example? Um, boy, the first time I pinched, that's, uh, that's going back a little bit. I actually remember that pretty, pretty vivid. I could honestly go to the same spot on the court. Like when I legit that's tried cool. attempting my first pinch, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, the first time you pinch, you don't know what your, where your release point is or whatnot. So it's like really awkward, but I, I, st I just started looking up to other players, you know, and looking up to the veterans and what they did and tried to tried to copy and do what they did, you know, and it was, it kind of sucked, you know, tr doing what they're doing and not getting results real quick. But, you know, with a lot of time and motivation from them, I f eventually got to where, I could throw and the team could actually work with it, <laughs> nice. you know? So what, um, cause early you'd mentioned like it was, you know, 
it was disheartening and it, it always is like you see someone throwing just complete heat and then you throw just a floater or, or just a you know ball like it's, you spike it or whatever but um i guess like how, why did you um what pulled you out of that like what prevented you from just saying not nah, f this i'm gonna go try flag football or, or something else like were you just really loving the game or um the environment or you know what, what kept you going well this is gonna be pretty funny, Steve. Actually, bringing up the rodeo part, I was actually interested in doing the rodeo club, <laughs> but kind of—I'm not gonna lie with you. The reason I stuck with dodgeball is because it was so cheap. Oh, nice. It didn't cost me—it didn't cost me a thing to be there. So, <laughs> between everything else I looked at, I was like, "We're gonna have to make this work." <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, money is a good motivator. Uh, That—that'll keep you keep you going, I guess. If you don't really have any other any other options um rodeo but club. i definitely i definitely did enjoy i guess the family aspect they offered too so yeah, yeah it's one of those things like come for the dodgeball stay for the people um hopefully most most areas most leagues organizations whatnot um what uh i want to go back to the rodeo real quick so have, did you, have you ever participated in a rodeo or did any did any of the the events or actually there actually this wasn't with college though this was kind of just I had a, I actually had a girlfriend when I was at Kentucky and she, she lives in Ohio. I hope, I hope she never sees this podcast, but, uh, <laughs> um, there's actually a, um, like a small rodeo, rodeo joint, I guess, near where she lived. And I actually, um, went there once and participated. It wasn't during when we were dating, but <laughs> there was actually one time where, um, I actually did do it and that was I mean it was fun I would totally do it again but man I, I'd rather take the pain from a day of dodgeball than eight seconds on a bowl I yeah I imagine what that feels like I, I mean I can't imagine what that feels like um yeah I'm trying not to go off the rails but I, I can't help it man so what, what's it like like um like, what are the I guess it's like um there's a lot of jarring in a very small amount of time, it feels like you're kind of just a skeleton in a can and someone's just shaking it. <laughs> it feels like, but I feel, you know, once you actually, you know, probably are around it long enough, you can kind of adjust a little bit. So you, you know, follow the movements of the animal and whatnot, but first time well, that was rough. Yeah. So like you're, you're pretty much, you're locked in with your legs. Um, you have one hand on, was it like the, the rope or what's it called that they're holding on to? I think there's an actual term, but yeah, it's pretty much a, a rope. Yeah. And then, uh, I, I guess we'll go into details about what that rope's doing. If I, if memory serves me right, but, um, you, you, that's it. And then you just have to take that rattling and then, uh, you know, not land on your face or get kicked by the bull or, or assaulted by it and all that stuff. So I, yeah, I, I can't imagine what that's like. Um, and it was funny. I was just like watching, um, just thinking about that on Saturday. I was just like, man, these guys are just getting the crap beaten out of them. It looks like it's, you know, oh, just hold on tight for like eight seconds and you're good to go. But, you know, you take like an impact from a pinch throw or an 8.5 throw and that, that leaves a little bit of mark. You feel a little bit afterwards, but these, this kind of beating is, is different. And, uh, it makes sense why some of these guys make, you know, three, four hundred thousand dollars um, when they, when they take the championships. So, but uh, is there footage of you riding a bull out there somewhere on the YouTube that we might? Uh, unfortunately, not. Oh, but I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. We'd totally do it again. So nice. If uh, 
if there's a round or something like that around a rodeo joint that um, lines up, you know, the schedule lines up to where they're having an open rodeo night, I would totally do it. <laughs> would they actually allow such a thing? Like, hey, just sign this waiver and you can ride this bull and, you know, don't sue us if you get killed or? Yeah, that's pretty much what happened. But they actually, um, I mean, obviously based off your experience and they'll, I mean, I wasn't on a, I guess a full sized bull, I guess, but right. you know, it still, it still shakes you up quite a bit. So, okay. um, yeah, it's pretty much just depending. I mean, sounds kind of sketch just signing a waiver and going off with it, but, um, that's pretty much what it was. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I, I'm trying not to go down rabbit holes. Cause, uh, I mean, I, they were, you know, I'm reading the, uh, freaking, um, the program and they're talking about these bulls and like their their lineage to so to speak I'm like man they, they put a lot of stuff into this and i just i remember the name red rock and that was the bull that killed um lane frost the uh the guy from eight seconds uh featuring luke perry which is a movie that's really old but it's like yeah these these bulls are meant to they're they're bruisers and so i imagine they're not just gonna stick you on you know the top of the top of the line there but um all right this is gonna this is gonna turn into a podcast on on rodeos and bull riding so we'll we'll go back to dodgeball oh, yeah. So money, yeah. <laughs> money, and not getting as beat up um, kept you um, with with NCDA in Kentucky. Twenty seventeen, you moved to Ball State, and then you, um, what happened? I mean, you you pretty much had to did you have to start from scratch, or was there a club there already, or what would you do? Well, really, I would not have st- I wouldn't have started the team at Ball State if it wasn't for the guys on UK telling me to. I mean it's a lot of work and I didn't know what I was getting into. I was moving, moving back to Indiana. That was, a, that was a lot, you know, in its own, but the only thing really in existence for dodgeball that we kind of picked up from ball state was <laughs> the bursar account for financials. Hmm. There was actually a dodgeball club of some form that if I remember correctly, disappeared somehow and. 2004 something like that oh man but um yeah it was pretty much just starting from scratch and you said uh the guys from uk so university of kentucky were kind of staying in touch with you trying to you know just egg you on give you some advice or pointers on on how to how to start yeah and i actually um you know reached out to jake lesky and a couple guys on team at miami in ohio in oxford ohio there and uh, they really kind of gave me some guidelines to go by on starting starting the team up. That's awesome. Um, trying to think if I want to go into this a little bit more right now. Um, yeah, I think I will. Um, what was? Because like you said, you had that that one mysterious bursar account. Um, so you had like that one thing to, to get started, but like, how did you, how did you create something from essentially nothing? Did you just put flyers out? Was it Facebook pages? Like, how did you, um, what did you do? Um, what's that, what's that like? Well, I started, I think my first recruitment was just getting on Facebook and posting ads for if anybody was interested in dodgeball and it surprisingly got a lot of, a lot of views and a lot of feedback but i think the funniest part actually is the first person i um, that reached out to me with for dodgeball 
is was actually a girl. Her name is Erica. She's actually one of my closest friends, and she actually lives across the street from me. And um, she doesn't play dodgeball now, or she actually only came to I think the first semester. But uh, yeah, she uh, <laughs> after after uh, she started seeing what pinch was all about, she's like, yeah, this isn't for me. She's <laughs> but, like, oh, thanks. Yeah, it's always good to get the joke about it with her. She's gonna come back and play. Yeah, I look at um, Rebecca Chapel, and um, I'm just like, man, you are you're tough as crap. Because there's I I look at Pinch and I'm like, no, thank you. Um, but anybody that wants to get in the ring, man, I I tip my hat to you guys. It's it's nuts. Um, so I guess that's is was that like a is that a tough sell? Like you know, you're trying to recruit new people to this new thing called dodgeball, but you're also pinching, so it's like it it's even more intense than what people might remember from gym class or from the movie. Like, do you ever have to yeah, like, it's, scale it or take it easy on them? Or, I mean, how, how do you sell that? See, that's like, it's, that's not probably the hard, it's like so hard. Like you can't, you don't like, you don't want to sugarcoat it to get them in. Right. But like once they're in, they, they're going to see what it is. You know, that's, it's like, it's hard to explain, you know, like, Oh yeah, we fold the ball into our hands and, grip it and throw it really hard and hopefully you move or catch it and hopefully you can throw hard so like there's a lot of a lot of things going on there i bet you know over all dodgeball types um pinch probably has the highest turnover rate if i was to if i was to guess i would imagine so i mean going back to you know comparing starting your first dodgeball experience as as with pinch versus with foam i mean yeah, again, you can get unloaded on in foam, and, and you'll you'll be nine out of ten times you'll be just fine. Nine point five out of ten times you'll be just fine. Um, but pinch, man, somebody lays into you. That's you're gonna you can remember that for years, I think. And so it's kind of good that you're not sugarcoating it with this with people. Like, hey, no, it's gonna be a blast. You know, it's gonna be. Well, I mean, it isn't gonna be fun, but it's gonna be like you know, this isn't. Um, you could get hurt, or you you just need to be aware. So, have you ever thought about like building up to that, or you you just you know, just, just trial by fire or, or, um, you just throw them in, just throw them in. Just throw them in. <laughs> we, we've, uh, I don't know between me and the guys here, we've kind of tried so many different ways and, you know, it's, it's pretty, dis- pretty disheartening to, you know, to like, to us, if you take it easy on them for a while, then they think that's what they can do and get away. You know what I mean? And not improve. Yeah. So it does, I feel, take a certain person to, you know, a certain kind of drive and determination to be good in dodge, you know, in pinch at least. Yeah. Um, it's funny because we, when we first started way back in the day, like 2004, 2005, we, we started with pinch. Like, um, you probably don't know the name. Some, some of the OG listeners might know Mason Doomtrain Shank. Like he, he was like our, our big dude. Like we call him the cave troll. Cause he's just like this monster that would just like murder people. Um, he discovered somehow that if you fold the ball into your hand, essentially you pinch it, you can throw harder. So he showed all of us and we just started doing that. And that just became like the norm. So we would have open gyms where we'd be pinching without realizing it. And then, um, in 2000, 2006, the NDL was like, hey, uh, we don't allow this anymore because the LA guys were doing it really well. And so you'd have um, a couple of teams just rocking people. And then when the NDL said, no, you can't do this anymore, 
them being the only competitive thing out there, we're just like, well, we're going to have to learn how to throw regular again. So, I mean, there was a time when I was much younger and totally fine with, you know, getting blasted with pinch, but nowadays it's just like, no, no, thank you. So maybe it's a youth thing or <laughs> yeah, it's just, uh, you guys are nuts. Uh, I'm never going to stop saying that, but, um, I, I do have some very small limited pinch experience and it's, uh, I could see it. Dodgeball already is kind of a tough sell. Pinch is even tougher. Um, the fact that you still have people, I mean, you got people to play, um, it's huge. So like, what, what does the club look like right now? Uh, this year has actually been pretty, I guess, pretty moderate. We don't have, we're kind of treading on thin water. I mean, I mean, walking on thin ice or whatever metaphor you want to use with numbers and skill right now, but we're kind of going through a pretty good rebuilding phase right now. Um, we actually hit a pretty bad rough patch over the last year and a half. Hmm. So we're kind of, I mean, there's so many variables of why that happened. So I don't really want to get into all those things, but um, we're kind of recovering from that, but the guys we have now, I would probably have to say are probably the most dedicated to the team. So that's, that's a good thing, of course. So, um, I think one, one of the things that really got people to step up was me dialing back on the amount of work that I did last semester. Right. So people realized, Hey, we got to step up to the plate. So Gotcha. It's been slow. It's been slow, but we're getting there. Yeah, I mean, again, just dodgeball in any fashion, starting from scratch is, is no small no small feat. So, um, just the fact that you're able to to get some players uh, showing up, where you know, who knows what they would have been doing um, had dodgeball not come their way. Kind of like you, like if you decided, you know, not to go to midnight dodgeball that that one night, like how different would uh, would your life be? Um, oh, good. Yeah, sorry, I was, I coughed off to the side, didn't want oh. to make a big, uh, <laughs> gotcha. didn't like go right to the mic. Oh, I appreciate that. <laughs> um, so I guess let's let's go kind of back into more about my you. So what um, what would you say your favorite style of play is, or what is your style of play? Like, do you consider yourself more offensive, defensive? You know, when when people are watching you, like, what are they what are they looking for? If you want to give that out can't give all my uh, skills away. No, actually I uh, I'm actually mainly off offensive and I've kind of had to take that um, take that role just because of the inexperienced part of the rest of the team, but you know, I've always you know, once you get to the point of actually pinching and performing well, you kind of are entitled to that position. Right. That makes sense. But I actually used to play um, right side a lot because I would do a lot of crosses and stuff from with because I'm right arm thrower. So I actually actually prefer now over the past probably year taking the left side, which is kind of weird. But um, I guess if I was to put a place on the court, I'd probably be working the working the left side. My least favorite position is like left center or right center. I freaking hate that. I'd rather be right in the center. Like there's too much weird stuff that goes on between left center and right center that you know it's not my cup of tea yeah it is a it is a funky position because uh i don't know dead center at least you know you at least know where you are but like you're, if you're too close to the guy that blocks into you or maybe people get too much of an angle on you but yeah i kind of agree like it's uh whatever you want to call it left center right center it's it's, it's it's strange yeah i don't know if there's an actual term for it yet 
Yeah, I so. think that's that's probably one of the coolest things about dodgeball too. Is it's still, regardless of how far we've come, there's still a lot of stuff that's up for grabs. Um, I've heard wing a lot. I've heard uh, left center, like you said. Um, people just go straight by numbers like five, um, five and four, or whatever. But um, this next question almost seems kind of silly, but um, what is your favorite style of ball? I mean, obviously pinch. I'm guessing. If I had to guess. Oh yeah, <laughs> eight point five. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Do you uh do you play any other uh, like no sting or foam at all? Yeah, I've um played foam and I've played no sting, so I guess I've kind of had a good uh good representation of each. I have my least chord experience would definitely be no sting. Um, definitely played a lot more foam, but. Uh, one thing I've really been working on and kind of a personal goal of mine is to become more fluent with those two. And, you know, since cloth is being introduced um, this year with USA dodgeball, at least within the realm of the rounds being offered, um, hopefully I'll be able to get some cloth experience, but you know, I still, I still stand by the fact like every, every dodgeball player has like their, the ball that dominates the most. And I don't see, I don't see even after maybe when I'm your age, getting old, you know, dialing back to maybe no stinger foam, you know, 8.5 will always be the ball that I perform best with. I feel. It's interesting. Um, Cause who was I, I was talking with uh, Lucas. Um, I don't know if we, if it was actually aired, might've been offline, but we were talking about like how just 8.5 is like in our soul. Um, and yeah, we are kind of, you know, adapting and adjusting to foam and it is growing on me a lot um no sting is eh, it's all right but um if i had to rank them you know be 8.5 foam and um i feel like that's always gonna be there like kind of like we were saying if you if you that's what raised you for lack of better words um it's just really hard to let go of that so and i, and I see there's a lot of people that play pinch too like why would you ever want to um give that up or fully move to something else when it's still an option um but cloth though that that's have you played with cloth ever like have you even touched one of those balls before i've, t I've touched one um haven't thrown one so it's gonna be kind of kind of weird i'm kind of i'm planning on going to north round one so um hopefully i'll get there and i feel that whoever jumps on the idea of selling cloth balls first here in the u.s is gonna make out pretty good hmm. so if anybody takes that idea I'd, I'd like seven percent for offering the idea so uh, <laughs> i'm writing that down as we speak uh yeah yeah but no, that's one of the reasons like i know a lot of a lot of people like in the u.s even before like you know usa dodgeball saying there's gonna be rounds with cloth like they they've been interested in like cloth balls and you know trying to find them and i actually reached out to what is it the in england there's like the dodge hub where they have cloth balls and after seeing the shipping price i was like yeah that's gonna have to wait <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm wondering if uh if usa dodgeball is gonna offer those like they do with the no sting um and i'm wondering on on two different uh viewpoints now but um that's a whole nother sidebar um it's funny because I, I don't know if you listen to this one but um uh, michael uh, riley um he had mentioned like, Oh boy, I'm so excited for cloth. And I, I have to get this out just cause it, it, it's been haunting me for episodes now. Like he, he just mentioned how excited he was for cloth. And I thought that was really random. This guy that's like a hardcore pincher 
is saying is saying that he cannot wait for for cloth and apparently it was sarcasm so that's gonna be interesting to see like how it's adapted um not not alone not not just the west but um you know the north and and the east as well uh, as the south so it'll be interesting um i know round two here in tempe is actually going to be foaming cloth so we're going to give it a shot and just see what it's like just kind of take it as a chance to practice with our team but uh i guess we'll see um moving towards um kind of getting closer to the crowdsource questions uh i do want to ask though um did you have any role models growing up at all whether it's sports real fictitious hmm well i don't know i guess my my uh probably if i was to put on one person it's probably i don't know if you know uh dr baxter black he's actually a veterinarian who is a actually writes a lot of articles just about you know life and how you should view life and kind of adds in you know portions of faith into that Hmm. so i've always you know kind of kind of looked up to him just because of his positivity and outlook on life and you know he has he's written you know funny stories and stuff like that that he throws in there every now and then but that's uh that's probably one that i looked up to i never really was much into sports growing up as i am now right so i can't really place it on you know someone else but yeah he's probably the guy i'd have to say was probably my role model and i actually met him a couple years ago so that's pretty cool that's cool yeah not, not a lot of people get to meet their uh the role models what's he like in person same as he is uh in his mediums or is lot, he yeah he uh he's a lot more energetic than i thought he would be huh. <laughs> but, but yeah he was uh he was a blast to meet so that's cool yeah i guess uh, i had to wikipedia this real quick um for those that do not know baxter black he's an american cowboy poet philosopher and former large animal veterinarian he's also a radio and television commentator so that's interesting that's cool. I'll have to check him out uh, after this and just see what he's about. But um, what uh, do you have any pregame rituals, like any superstitions or just like left shoe has to go on first, right shoe next or anything like that? Um, it's actually, I don't know, probably I have my, you know, dodgeball hype playlist. So I obviously listen to that. It's actually my pregame rituals kind of, actually really adjusted ever since starting playing an elite you know i actually you know the good thing about elite at least every time i've played is like it's structured so you play open before pinch so you'd be honestly be surprised how how nice it is to throw open a lot before you begin pinching just to get your arm warmed up so i really i really try to go the extra mile just throwing open it doesn't even have to be hard just be tossing the ball at a wall while listening to music and you always have to get a couple guys to throw hard at you for a catch just to get you into that mindset. But I, I still, you know, to this day, and I've played, you know, oh my, countless numbers of dodgeball points and games, you know, you still get that anxiety rush right when you're on the line, ready to run. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't fade out. It's a, it's a cool feeling. Just that like, like the exhilaration, like, oh man, what's about to happen? Um, when when you when you transition from open eight point five to pinch, uh, kind of a dumb question, but do, like, what's that like? Is it is everything slow down, or I mean, not slow down, is it speed up, or going from open to pinch? Like, 
Like, what is that? Um, like? well, I might be misinterpreting this, but like, if I, like, from when I started throwing open for like elite, I was terrible. Like, it was so I was like, wow, I can pinch like really hard, real fast. And those are like, what the heck? Open is like easier than pinch for most people. It's like, what the heck's going on? So, like, over the past year, I've really gotten down to what suits me best on how I place my hand on the ball for open and stuff like that. But there that, there definitely is – I definitely would not want to play pinch then open. But if it's open to pinch, then let's go for it. That's the, the better um, progression. Yeah, I feel I feel like if I go from pinch to open, I'm going to overexert my arm and pull something or whatnot. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that. Um, yeah, because I mean, the only thing I can relate to is like transitioning for, or, or progressing from foam, no sting to, to 8.5 because you don't want to start with the heaviest ball first and then work your way down just because uh, the mechanics changed substantially and you could at greater risk. And with um, with all the torn labrum in, injuries I've seen, like, yeah, I, I think open a pinch is probably the way to go. Um, you had mentioned that you have like a... a pre-game playlist uh what are, what are some tracks you have on there oh boy um it's all metal so like i'm not sure uh what the dodgeball community thinks of metal but uh def actually let me let me pull it up here uh real quick there's only like six songs on it just because um you, you know you don't have that much time to really warm up and you really don't want to warm up too long but i'll pull it up here so i pretty much have uh I guess one of the songs that really gets me hype is Destroyer by Parkway Drive. Just because it like starts out really slow, then eases in like real heavy. Huh. Then of then of course, you know, if you play the song Absolute Power by Parkway Drive, that really just makes you want to rail someone in the face with a dodgeball. It does. <laughs> Which I guess is needed if you're gonna be uh, I, I, playing pinch. I, yeah. I can attest for that. <laughs> but I mean there's a I don't know if you know a classic Pantera from the nineties. I have a couple of their songs on there. And uh, some kill switch engage. So, okay, at least there's two bands that I've heard before. Um, I've never heard of Parkway Drive, but I'm going to uh, look them up later. Must not know metal. Like I'm thinking metal, like you know Metallica and some of the older bands. But I don't know if like who qualifies as metal nowadays. But uh, I think I think Metallica is still still considered metal. But yeah, they're 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 um, where I go. They're they're my go to. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of. I'm gonna check out Parkway Drive. Um, sometimes you're just in that mood, and you just you want that hard hitting music, whether you're playing dodgeball or just I don't know, working on stuff. But um, I'll have to check that out. Um, what? Uh, so this is where we're gonna kind of go into some of the NCDA slash elite comparison experiences. Um, so Sam Hutter asks, um, what challenges do you and or your teammates face when transitioning between NCDA and elite or I guess premier, uh, play. So, you know, you're going from these massive courts to, you know, you've only got six bodies now. Um, what's that like and what challenges do you face? Um, you really, I guess the first one would be just adjusting to the court, you know, like you have hard, you have hard boundaries in elite. And like in NCDA, you have the point of contact rule, which allows you to keep, if, as long as you keep one point of contact within the court, you're deemed as, you know, 
in. So that kind of gives you a little cushion as to, you know, placing yourself into a stance of hopefully catching a ball kind of gives you that liability. If you also get kind of knocked out, you can like slap a hand down in the court real fast and still be in. Oh, wow. So that was, that was the biggest thing for me. I think the first time I actually played, I will, I stepped out, so I think that I think that happens to everybody. Okay, I never thought about that. So, like, if you you know if you're off balance because you like dodgeball, whatever, and you're about to fall out, you can just slap your hand in there, or step out with one foot, and you're you're still you're fine. Yep. That's and I think probably the next the next challenge would be transitioning the open because I know when I played for Rogue the first time. Like my brain just immediately went in the pinch mode. I didn't even know I pinched the ball, and the ref <laughs> called me out. <laughs> so, so that uh, that was an immediate out. Which, you know, those things I guess are to be expected when you go from pinch all the time to open. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, another reason, another reason to to advocate for going from open to pinch. Um, it's <laughs> give you a hard habit to break. Um. Do you guys still have uh, the NCDA still have dirty blocking where you can like block it into yourself, but you're still fine? No, they uh, that was a rule. They uh, got rid of that. Let's see. Okay, that was recently. Three years ago, three four years ago. Oh I man, think. I'm, I'm I have to look. A lot of but I mean, you know, you know, with dodgeball, like when it comes down to it, like all the, you know, you can't ref every single thing, and. I'm not an advocate of dirty blocking, but like, I feel it would make things a lot easier if it was allowed just because like people get so, you know, ticked when, you know, someone calls it out that they got hit when they actually didn't or, you know what I mean? Or whatnot. It's really, it really just makes a lot of unnecessary arguments happen, you know? Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's one thing like, you know, if you you fancy yourself like, you know, an honest player, you never, you know, play the whistle, like if you're out, you're out. But if somebody accuses of you and you know for a fact it didn't hit you like that, that is upsetting. It's like, no man, like I'm I'm good. Like it will take my outs, but then it makes it harder on the ref too, because like some of those things are really hard to catch and you're really kind of trusting the um your opponent to to take the out. It's kind of similar, like with uh, here in Phoenix, we used to have this rule where uh, fingers fingers were part of the ball. So, like, if I blocked and you hit from like my knuckles to my fingertips um, with my ball in my hand, I'd, I'd be safe. Which is it really easy for the refs, like, oh, okay, whatever, hands are part of the ball, don't have to worry about it. But now it's like um, there's some people that still have that habit of staying in, and you kind of have to trust them to just make the call themselves, at least in a like a rec league setting. Um, so I totally get that. Like, yeah, dirty blocking would be kind of a, eh, it'd be harder to hit people, but uh, for the sake of like refing, definitely a lot easier. But um, I mean, they got rid of it for yeah, a reason. So, yeah, I think the reasoning behind that was because games points were so long. If I'm thinking right, you know, because as long as someone has a ball and they can block, if it hits them, they're not worried about it. So yeah, you know, that could, that could keep a game going forever. So I, you know, you got to, I can see why they, you know, got rid of it. Yeah, no, that makes plenty of sense. I mean, you survive for days, um, just blocking forever. Um, and you don't have to worry about it if it hits you or not. So there's no, like, 
no risk when you when you're trying to protect yourself like that. But um, so basically adjusting to the court size, um, not pinching, and then realizing that you can't put one point of contact outside of the court. Those are for the most part like the most uh, difficult challenges you guys face when you move from NCDA to uh, what is formerly elite style of play. Yeah, I'd have to say so. Gotcha. Next question, Sam. Um, so this one's more going to be towards uh, just your experience. Uh, but Joey uh, Kramer asks, uh, what, if anything, are you doing to spread the sport to other colleges? Um, I think he meant this mostly for NCDA, but um, it kind of goes back to what we were talking. This is where I was saying, like, oh, we're going to revisit this maybe a little bit later um, earlier in the episode where, you know, you, you – you just were kind of, for lack of better words, like bored, looking for something to do. You came across this like midnight dodgeball flyer. It must have resonated really well because it got you so inspired that you went on to bring dodgeball to another college. Um, I guess going to going back to Joey's question, like, is there? I guess like, what can people do? Like, if if they're on the fence right now about starting uh, dodgeball at their local college, like. Like, what advice would you give them? I guess we'll kind of rephrase it that way. That way it's more pertinent to, to you and your experience. Um, I would say do your research for one. That's something I should have done a lot more. And this is, by, by do your research, I mean even outside of dodgeball. Just, like, do your research on how other teams at that university operate and how they, you know, because obviously if they're around, they're doing something right. And if it's one thing I've really learned, it's because it's that every every university is different. Like there's a lot of things at Ball State that doesn't happen at other universities like Miami and Ohio or Kentucky that I've had to learn on my own. It kind of sucks because it affects you quite a bit if you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> right. But one of the things I actually uh, did was I reached out to I, I knew a couple I think a, a couple girls on the equestrian team and you know they're not a club sport by no means but they're in the realm of the rec center because they're uh, competitive in that sense i guess it's kind of weird but they kind of gave me like oh this is what you need to do here and here and now but the thing that made it even harder for us is that when i came in um there was a guy the guy who was in charge of the rec was actually the guy in charge of club sports so I could just, you know, go to him. Things would be done real quick. You know, this was great. Things were moving along, operating great. Then soon after, I think a year after, they they hired someone on. I'll be nice. I'll keep my opinions to myself. <laughs> but in short, <laughs> and in the nicest way possible, made life absolutely hell for the survival of just the dodgeball team and, like, clubs across the board. Um, so I guess you got to go into it preparing for literally everything because if someone's been through literally everything, it's probably been me. And, um, one of the things is, is always, you know, reach out for help if you need it. Yeah. That's, that's a big um, thing. That's just that you say like every university is different cause it's not like, um, what worked for Kentucky necessarily works for, for you guys and the stuff that you guys went through isn't necessarily going to be the same thing with, say, ASU or U of A out here in Arizona. And then, you know, it, a lot of this really depends on who the gatekeepers are, I guess is probably a good term for, like, the gyms yeah. or the clubs. Um, and just obviously I, I imagine establishing 
what I would hope would be, you know, solid relationships with these people. So that way, you know, you don't get somebody that's just out to make your life um, hell, so to speak, but uh, some things you just can't help. And um, that's definitely one thing that I kind of picked up on earlier was just like the, the persistence to, I, I'm doing this cause I want to play dodgeball. Um, you got to have that, I guess you got to have like that, um, that willingness to just take on the extra stuff. You know, people will show up to your events or your club or your, your league. They'll play and we'll go home. Meanwhile, you're, you know, still worried about like, you know, taping the courts or picking up the equipments or dealing with all the, you know, behind the scenes stuff. So it, it, it takes a, I imagine it takes a pretty heavy commitment. Um, especially if you're in college, like you already, you already got to worry about like studying and, and the reason why you're actually at college. So, yeah. I mean, now that you brought, brought up a couple of things in that, you know, I mean, there's also the financial aspect too. starting a team, you know, with the, with, you know, like balls, stuff like that. And, you know, being a first, I think it's pretty common across the board. If you're a first year team, you can't request funding. So it's pretty hard doing that when I know the, I know, like, I know, I know like the gear here you can check out at the wreck is absolute crap. So right. you have to, I mean, I've, I've put quite a bit of money of my own money into dodgeball, just, you know, like get it started, keep it going. You know, other guys here have done the same thing as well. And that's just, I guess a sacrifice that you kind of have to make, but once you get the ball rolling, you can, you know, request funding to cover those things and fundraise and, you know, do that. So you kind of just have to like, for, I guess, forget the expression, like eat crap for like the first year, just understand it's it's probably going to be tough. But then once you get established and prove that, you know, there's a following or there's, there's like a demand for this, it might get a little bit easier down the road for, you know, the following years. Yeah, it's really, it's actually really tough on new teams. I guess they make it tough because they want you to survive in the worst conditions. Right. But um, I know that coming in, space is pretty limited. And that's probably common across a lot of universities of just having space and time to practice that works for everybody. And fortunately, we have our own, like, I guess you call it private, um, private court. It's basically one court in one room. So we have practice in there. And I heard from a couple of the officers here not too long ago that if we wouldn't have gotten that space and time, like when we did, like there's so many people wanting that space when we do, but we have the seniority over it. So we we get the space. Nice. I think you said something too about like, it's all about like the timing. Like you need to get something done at a certain time. Um, this obviously being kind of one of those examples, um, because it's, it's a tough sell, man. Like when you're looking at like a gymnasium and they're looking at, do we let this uh, basketball league uh, take place or do we let this dodgeball league take place? Like it's kind of, yeah. sometimes it's like a no blame, uh, no brainer and, you know, dodgeball gets, uh, gets pushed to the, the wayside there. So yeah, it's, I, I imagine it's, it's a, it's definitely a tall order. Um, how many hours would you say you put a week like for, if you, if you're seriously wanting to, make this happen. Um, what's a good like expectation in terms of like just time that you need to allocate to this? Um, I would say probably from, Oh boy, that's a good question. I guess a week. I mean, it's kind of a drawn out process. So maybe I guess if I had to give you like a time frame of if you wanted to start in the fall, you got to start planning in the spring 
and yeah. you know with, with like writing your constitution that'll probably take you about six hours to thoroughly literally think of every possible thing to put in it because trust me you'll need it <laughs> that's been proven pretty recently here um you need to you need to think that out you know pretty thoroughly and uh also you have to have i know we had to have several meetings and i think those were about one or two hours long so i mean you're probably looking at about across the, the several months maybe 20 to 30 hours total yeah so if it's, I was to guess it's definitely not hey let's uh let's put some some flyers up let's procure a gym and then boom we'll have a we'll have a club that's yeah. just as solid as the rest of the ncda within you know within a matter of weeks it's, it's definitely um you're going to put the work in and it's going to be an investment of time and labor and even financial, as you said. Yeah. Um, Cause club sports are, you kind of get hit twice because you have to go through the student, the student organizations deal to become a, like a student organization. Then you have to go through like the recreation side of things. So like balancing the two, they each have their own, you know, challenges and time you have to invest in it. Gotcha. And uh, you mentioned like you you know you reached out to previous contacts, but also Jacob Lesky, who I've you know I've had on here a few times. Um, very awesome guy to talk to. Very passionate. Very like let's let's make this happen. Um, I imagine you're not fully alone. Like you you do have um, I imagine like the the assistance of the NCDA board members and people that have done this before to kind of walk you through it or at least give you advice or you know kind of be like that that light in the darkness so to speak. Um, what was it like working yeah. with them? Oh, it was really good. Um, really supportive. I think the first time I talked to Jake Lesky, it was probably an hour or two conversation just about him getting to know who I am, which felt good. And um, kind of giving me some materials on like what a recruitment fall Irish should look like, um, constitution templates, stuff like that. Nice. So that definitely helped. And, you know, even though you're not able to compete yet, it's kind of it kind of sucks. You have to do all this hard work before you can even compete. But you know everybody's like, keep going, keep going, because honestly, there's been. I mean, I'm not gonna lie to you. There's been times I was like, is this even gonna be worth it? Like, is anybody gonna join this club? Is uh, are we gonna be good at all? Are we gonna win a game? Like, there's so many things you're just thinking about. Yeah, makes sense. It's it's uh, it's a selfless endeavor, I imagine. Um. That kind of covers uh, Kevin Bailey's question because he had asked uh, shortly after Joey's question, most difficult part of starting a club at your school. Um, and then looks like this thread kind of, you'll have to explain some of this. So Kevin, um, Sam Hutter, I think she raised her hand. Uh, so maybe she's the most difficult part of starting a club. And then um, <laughs> I'm just seeing a lot of random stuff. Um, most of the cool Did you part. see the photo? Yeah, that that, that's put? right. I'm trying to like, okay, so what's going on here? So it was the wine bottle. And what is that? That is, um, so how's your day going? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Say no more. Um, <laughs> and then, I uh, mean, yeah, I've been there before, so I, I feel her pain. <laughs> I feel her pain. All right. Well, if, uh, obviously people are listening to this, um, Sam, has this uh instagram photo of so how's your day going and it's um it's a wine bottle but the cork is busted so the, you can't even get to the wine so that's gotta be insanely frustrating so just uh maybe that sums up 
Well, actually, even Sam said, Ken Bailey, this, this sums up Akron Dodgeball Club in one photo. So there you go. Um, Kevin Bailey, going back to a serious question, Kevin Bailey asks, uh, what are your expectations for the Ball State team the rest of this year and moving forward? That's a good one. That is a good one. Um, definitely this past this past year I haven't been captain, so it's been pretty interesting seeing um, someone else in that position, you know, just kind of overseeing, um, overseeing how they're doing. And I mean – um, I feel he's doing a pretty decent job with it. So, um, I mean, there's clearly issues. I, don't, I really want to discuss all those, but um, it, it really shows you like, I guess once you cut the cord and everybody is on their own, you know, it, it was a smart move for me to kind of do that just because I'm being my last year. I can see how it would, I would hate to graduate and just let it go and it crumble. That would suck. But um expectations for probably next season um i i think um after critiquing our constitution and all that um there's definitely going to be a pretty good change in how things are operated and how the team um how the team like interacts with each other because one of the one of the things ball state struggles with which is kind of strange is just like being a family you know I mean, when you're on the court with someone, you know, you got their back, they got yours. And that's, that's just a kind of a hard concept for people to kind of, kind of gather here. Then, you know, it eventually ends up people holding grudges on people right. and it just makes, it makes it awkward and kind of not fun at sometimes. And it just dwells on people and it's, it brings the team down. You know, if there's one, if there's like a weak link or a negative portion happening in your team, like it really does bring down everybody else. So I do expect after these next this next month or so when uh, we're gonna have a discussion on at least you know team bonding and things goals we have as a team and have everybody express express their ideas that'll definitely really help out the team I feel because it does it does show on our performance at tournaments I mean we do we do have the talent but it just doesn't show as it should. Gotcha. So maybe just some more clearing of the air, um, trying to get more buy-in, trying to remind people of like why they're playing that kind of stuff to, to develop that camaraderie and that synergy. Yeah. And it's hard to, it's hard to replicate what you get at a tournament when you're still starting out of the gate. You know, I, I really have to give a shout out to, uh, Wes Peters and Peter bro, you know, UC and Western Michigan, you know, being fresh out of the gate, new teams and they're already, you know, paving their way up, up mm. the ranks. You know, I, you know, you really got to respect, how, I don't know how they did it. Like, <laughs> I wish that was me, but, um, they got, they got the guys and with the determination and there they go. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's something that maybe you could reach out to them. Um, I'm just generally speaking, of course, like reach out to somebody, um, and ask them. So like I've had many good conversations with uh, Tim Fullerton from Rise on, you know, the difference in how he runs his team versus how I've run uh, my teams in the past. And just, you know, just kind of, I want to say like just old man dodgeball talk, but it, I found it really surprising um, what people are willing to share, you know, their insights on, on what works for them. Um, just cause I, I, maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but from what I've noticed, people are 
really, really passionate about dodgeball and they're always down to talk about it and share their experience and help, uh, help elevate it. Like I know even, um, Andrew Ketchum is, you know, down to help people get better. Um, if you ask him and catch him on the right time of day, I guess, but for the most part, we're all pro dodgeball. So if it helps you get better and it brings more positive, uh, competition to the dodgeball scene, I think, uh, I think the resources are there. Um, you might have touched on this a little bit when you earlier when you said you know thinking about like you know asking people for their input and their feedback, but um, Kevin also asked um, via messenger just you know to kind of talk about like the challenges of teaching new players the game. Um, so maybe not so much on the, the team aspect, but you know we, we kind of danced around it with it's a really tough sell to get people to play pinched dodgeball for the first time. Um, but like you said, you don't want to lie to them. You don't want to like sugarcoat it. Um, what's it like uh challenge wise just showing them hey this is uh what what you're seeing is actually fun and you're gonna want to come back to it like what's that like it's really hard um (laughs) it's really (laughs) hard um one of the things that i i that was like my biggest uh i guess uh, flaw was not not putting myself in other people's shoes um you know it's once you get to the point of pinching and doing relatively good and then trying to put yourself back where you were as a freshman coming the midnight dodgeball, it's like, how do you even do this? Like, right. Um, it's, it's, it's also, I don't know. There's so many things because I, I told you it's hard to mimic like a national tournament. So it's hard to give them the actual experience right? when everybody else is still learning the, the motives but i've actually really you know i've seen people grow at different rates here at least at ball state with some people you know pick up pinch real quick some people some people take a year or so and um just you know focusing on becoming getting to know the person who's on your team you know i feel that's one of the flaws of ball state is like a lot of people on the team don't don't have that connection to each other as they should, you know? So just taking the time to like slow down one-on-one training, you know, break it down. Um, there's been times where I've taken people into the racquetball courts where it's been a one-on-one thing, just breaking down movements of throws and, you know, and it surprisingly, you know, I think in about a 45 minute session, there's already results. So it can be overwhelming when, you're trying to teach everybody in a group setting with dodgeball. Right. So like patience, empathy, as you said, you know, putting yourself in their shoes, like, Hey, wait a minute. Like they don't, they don't see like past the, you know, past the, the, the dodgeball court, so to speak. They don't understand, uh, NCAAs, NCAA is huge. They understand that there's all this other stuff, um, going out there. It's funny you say that. Cause, um, there's this one kid that just started playing or that we noticed recently who is really good at, um, at open gym. And, um, we we're talking like, Hey man, like, you know, you're really good. Like where, where'd you, where'd you come from? And he said he came from the North. He played with like Eric Stone and all them. So that made a lot of sense. Um, but we asked if you mm-hmm. have you even heard of like elite or premier and he, he never heard of it before. And we're just like, Oh man, this guy's worldview of dodgeball. Is so small. Like how do you even begin to explain that to him without, you know, sounding too excited and, and, you know, overloading with him with information. So it's, uh, sometimes it's kind of tough to, especially when you're really passionate to just scale back a little bit and be like, Hey, this is uh, you know, this is how you play. These are the rules and we'll just start there and then uh, build up to it. So, um, Markel Stokes asks, um, who is taking it this year? 
So I'm assuming he's talking about NCAA finals in April, right? Yeah. Oh boy. Um, I mean, there's always GV, you know, competing for the top, but I would say, honestly, people need to be watching out for, uh, Ohio university. I feel, huh. I, I feel they're going to pull a Townsend and just take it, you know, it's, it's actually, I was actually looking at the standings earlier today and I was like, wow, I don't even know if I could feel confident putting a bet on any of these, like <laughs> really? what's going on. And I mean, with the whole switch of, you know, the, the nationals, um, bracket being top 16 teams, you know, that really, I feel that's going to be a, a beneficial move. So it's going to be interesting to see how that works out. But I, I definitely see OU being in the final match. Interesting. All right. Well, you heard it here. Uh, we'll see if uh, this happens in April. We'll, we'll, we'll point back to this and be like, oh, no, Kevin called it. Um, I'm actually – I'm actually curious about this one. So Alan Thomas uh, loved this question. He asks, uh, what can USA Dodgeball do to make it easier for players to transition from college to the Premier Tour? So clearly this is from your perspective, but you know, what would what would you like to see happen or what do you feel would, would help? Um, it's kind of hard to say because we haven't had the Premier Tour yet. So I'm just basing it off of Elite. Right. Um, really just, it's not really advertise to NCDA guys that much you know I kind of I kind of came into elite when there was this I guess you could call it the swarm of college dodgeballers you know into uh, the elite setting so I'm not even sure I don't even know how I heard of I don't even know how I heard of elite hmm. no idea maybe someone mentioned it, it was like oh there's something called elite and I was like hmm, what's that but um Definitely one of the biggest things is like not shooting down pinch because um, you know, a lot of people shoot down pinch, but like not, you know, college dodgeballers coming out of college will be open to other ball types. Like, there's no, no doubt about that, but to give, to give up their pride and pride and joy of pinch, you know, that's going to be a hard sell. Yeah. I, Go back to our talk of like, you know, a lot of people will play foam and noticing as long as there's 8.5 and um, there's a couple of people that, that are not playing or retiring because 8.5 is, is, is dying out. Um, I can kind of see that with, with pinch, obviously. I mean, you, you're playing, you know, for four or five, whatever, how many years you're, you're with your, your institution and you're used to this. It's in your, it's in your blood it's in your soul, so to speak. And to have to quit that cold turkey, I can see that being a really tough sell. But um, you know, to the credit of the North and, and Elite, you know, they still have the the pinch divisions, and they still provide a place for people to play. So I think um, some kind of like you know tandem or parallel where you can still play pinch. We'll still have this division. We'll still prioritize it like and treat it like every other division. But at the same time, you know, like you said, if you're open to trying other other ball types, then then there you go. Um, so I imagine it, it, if looking at all these clubs um, that are out there, all these players that are part of the NCDA, I, I imagine there is tons of players that could come from this and um, become solid career, I guess for lack of better words, um, premier players. Um, 
So that's good. I like that answer. That's uh, that's a good question, Alan. Um, probably my favorite question is from Eli. Uh, hot topic, I guess, is Harvey Weinstein going to get suicided? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, me, me and Eli send memes about that all the time back and forth to each other. I've noticed. But, um, yeah, I've noticed a trend. Like, oh, go ahead. Yeah, isn't there? Uh, wasn't there actually a one of the people involved in that, like hit by a car or something today? Yeah, I just posted that on his wall. Actually, um, <laughs> I don't even know why we're laughing. This is terrible. But uh, key witness, uh, Doctor Barbara Ziv and Harvey Weinstein trial hit by a car, and it says that uh, this person was run down. So I posted it on Eli's wall. Uh, he shared it, and then um, you know, here come the gifts. And it's just like, come on, like coincidence, maybe. I, I don't know, man. The whole Epstein thing is I, I got into it with Eli, got to understand like the root cause of why he just won't let this go. And he's got a lot of valid points. Like it is like there's just there's just too much crap around that to to believe that it's a real thing. And then the fact that it's memes is, is one thing, but you know, now we have this Weinstein thing going on and here boom, key witness is already taken out. It's like really? <laughs> like Something's fishy. <laughs> yeah, it's something's very fishy, and I mean, it's again, it's, it's very morbid to to kind of joke about it. But what else can you do? Um, but I do notice that you guys go back and forth a lot, and you tag each other. I was like, ah, oh, yes, yeah, this... fellow uh, Epstein. I don't know, believer, denier, Epstein suicide denier. I guess what we call ourselves. You never know. Like this might be what gets uh, gets dodgeball in the the national news. You know, God. like dodgeballers solve case persistent dodgeballers you know raise position and awareness for epstein just, yeah i don't i don't know if that's a uh, mainstream media anymore i think people are trying to move on and move past it but it's like no nah, man it's some, something really fishy is going on there yeah i think eli is probably the only guy in the u.s that <laughs> continues to talk about it as frequently <laughs> he's the sole champion of this cause uh yeah well, well, God bless you. I don't, don't, don't give up fighting the good fight. And you got, you got help. You got friends that are ever willing to share memes and articles and call BS. Um, it is ridiculous, though. But uh, I guess moving on to less dark things. So, um, kind of give you a heads up on these. Um, so, these next three questions are just uh, your opinion only, based off your experience and your your perspective. And um, a lot of it might be touching on what's what we covered already, but. Um, First question is, why do you think dodgeball is still mostly unknown and an unacknowledged sport? Um, that's a tough one. I mean, I feel a lot of it has to do with, um, I guess, advertising. And there's not really a um, – I mean, there's youth programs and all, but there's not really like a, a path, you know, people take. You know, I mean, if you play like football or something, you start out you know, really young, you go through grade school with a football career, you go through high school with a football career, you hopefully get signed, signed with a college for your football career. Then hopefully if you're fortunate enough or good enough, you know, to go to the NFL, um, to make a dodgeball path like that is going to be pretty hard. And I feel one of the things now is, you know, we're, we're still in the growth stage of dodgeball. So I'm a little more lenient with things. I know, I know a lot of people are pretty hard on USA Dodgeball. Um, I'll, I'm guilty of that. I've talked to a lot of people about my opinion on how things are being done. But um, 
one of the things I feel would help a lot is making things a lot more formal. And I guess by formal, I mean not on the aspect of even the game, just like, you know, at the end of the day, USA Dodgeball is kind of a business. So I feel there should be like timely, like press releases of, hey, these are our goals for yada, yada, yada. This is what we've done the past, you know, couple months or whatever. That way it shows people who are involved with Dodgeball there's like actually progress going on and there's not a lot of unknowns right i know i know going to the premiere there's a lot of there's a lot of unknowns and it's kind of making people kind of irritated with usa dodgeball which you know there's only so many weekends in in the year that's a given and it's hard to balance everything together but i feel i feel formalizing just um updates on how the organization is doing what they're doing and stuff like that would be good and once they get their whole deal with um, venues and scheduling down, that'll obviously help out a lot. Yeah, that's uh, I'm definitely. I don't want to say I'm torn. Um, it's hard for me to to put to place where I stand on this because, like, you know, I, I try to put myself in their shoes. Uh, this is something I definitely would never want. Um, but you know, with elite. Uh, transitioning into just you know the one tournament where it's going to be truly be elite whereas before it spent the last 12 13 14 spent like the last eight years nine years or so uh, basically becoming the catch-all for people that just wanted a better dodgeball product not necessarily uh, elite level but just something better than what the NDL was offering to take all that and dump that into the hands of USA dodgeball um, I can imagine there's a lot of stuff to to go through um, can they be a little bit more open in their communication? Most likely, um, especially if people do feel like they're in the dark. I know, um, you know, Jake, I feel like he's for the most part, pretty open and transparent. I don't think he's hiding anything. Um, I think he's one of those guys who once he knows something is solid and a fact, he'll tell you because, um, you probably aren't privy to this at all. Just being when you entered the scene, but like the NDL was, uh, basically, full of smoke and mirrors and they would promise the world and they would uh, talk, you know, all this like awesome positive stuff was going to happen and it never did. And I think that put a lot of really bad taste in some of the older players' minds and uh, for organization uh, league owners, whatnot, like you want to make sure that what you're offering is, is concrete before you um, start, you know, offering the world. Cause it's uh, a lot of people are jaded from that. still, uh, I think still, um, I know Mark took a lot of that flack, but um at the same time, I could definitely see, and I do feel the frustration of, you know, not knowing when round three, four and nationals is because, um, you know, people are flying to tournaments now. People are, are going, or they're doing more than just driving five hours to, to LA from Phoenix. Um, so I, I get that too. Um, and with these questions, it's not like any answer is going to be the solve all end all. It's just more like an opportunity to just kind of discuss you know, these, uh, these opinions and, and perspectives from, from different areas. So I like that you said more formal cause in my, uh, precap with, or yeah, my precap with Tyler, like he was saying, one of the things that he does not want to see anymore is alcohol brought into tournaments because if you're trying to have dodgeball taken professionally and seriously, but there are players that are playing that are sloshed because they're drinking white claw, like that kind of takes away from that professionalism. So I kind of, 
kind of agree with you on a lot of points um, without getting too much into a, a tangent. But um, one thing I thought was really interesting was talking to you was like, Elite had been going pretty strong in 2016 and for you to enter the scene and not know about it, like that's definitely showing, um, again, not, not pointing fingers at anybody, but that's just showing like, yeah, there, there needs to be more awareness in general, um, especially with the NCDA. Cause like, I feel like you guys are like the biggest feeder system. And if we are not constantly showing elite or premiere what it is now to all these players, then we're missing out on a huge opportunity for growth, um, and, and stronger, uh, more reinforced regions, but, um, going into question two is, uh, in your opinion, what can the dodgeball community do to grow the sport or does that still kind of fall in line with the first answer? Um, I guess with like growing the sport, I mean, there are, you know, the rec leagues and there's like the youth programs that are out there, but I feel like the question should be, I guess, like what the community can do to grow like the NCDA. And, you know, if you ask me, like, it'd be, it'd be great, you know, if everybody in the West started a team at their local college or whatever university is close, but you know, after I've gone through that, you know, that's just, that's just not feasible. Like there's no, there's no way that would be successful. You'd be doing a lot more damage than good, but I feel overall, one of the biggest things that would really help is for at least the premier tour, and I'm surprised Elite didn't, you know, do it. But there there might have been variables that prevented them from doing it. And that's just, like, hosting their events at a university. Mm-hmm. You know, that's because, one, usually the venues are really nice and good. And that way it's kind of like dual, dual advertising for the NCDA club as well as USA Dodgeball Elite. So I feel, you know, the cost effectiveness of that might vary quite a bit and of of course that doesn't really help many people out in the west or really the south but you know once dodgeball and the ncda starts picking up more you know the ncda is you know finally venturing out west and towards the south so in a perfect world i guess when there's dodgeball in every state they can make that move but i feel that'd be a really advantageous move yeah, that's um. So there, there have been some elites uh, West rounds here in Tempe where it's been hosted at ASU, in a really nice uh, gymnasium, which is very costly. But um, again, I, I, I'm only from my perspective. Like I know it hasn't really pulled too many, if any, people, actual students. But at the same time, it's like okay, we're there to play dodgeball, get this event going, and take off. Like whatever time is left is definitely not being allocated to recruitment. So, um, I know like we'll, we'll be playing and we'll see spectators watching and you can, you can just see like their, the gears turning, like, what is this craziness? Like this looks fun, but there's no real, as far as I know, like follow up, like, Hey, if you like what you saw, go join this club or go play open gym. And I think like that relationship needs to open up a little more. I, I know I've talked to Jacob a lot about how I want to do that. I just haven't had time. <clears throat> um, but yeah, I, I, I think you going back to like your progression from youth to high school, to college, to elite, I think college would be like the next step to, to focus on and get these guys that are, um, kind of like in your situation. Like maybe they just want something different out there and they have no idea how much they're going to love dodgeball until it's brought to them. So, um, yeah, go ahead. Oh, it's also going to be like, 
you know, kind of a hard sell because, you know, dodgeball is a club sport. And when it gets down to it, like, you know, sports like football there, I mean, there's club sport football teams, but like there's the actual like, university, like football team, you know, it's going to be, I, I feel, I don't know if it's going to, hopefully it happens within my lifetime, but that'd be pretty cool to like see dodgeball, like get to that level of being like, you know, as you know, um, what's the term? As idolized as like the football team, and they, there's like their own, you know, they sign people on and stuff like that. That would be cool. Yeah, that would. Um, I mean, yeah, you know, we're, we're talking about like, oh, we want to see dodgeball become an Olympic sport, but I mean, how cool would it be to you know, the ASU Sun Devils have an actual dodgeball team, and and they are they take it just as seriously as they would baseball, football, basketball. Like it is a legit NC, uh, NCAA, double um, sports. So maybe, I don't know. We'll see. Um, I'm old man speaking again. Like I'm surprised with the amount of, uh, development and progression that Dodgeball's made in just this short time. I really feel like within the past eight, eight years alone, it's really exploded. So who knows what we'll, what we'll be talking about 10 years from now, but, um, one more of these, uh, of these three and that is um is there anything that you do not like about the current state of dodgeball um pretty much just i mean the, un- the uncertainty of things i'm pretty i'm pretty open to the idea of you know things are kind of falling into place so i really can't you know talk too much yet yeah i feel yeah that's the thing like i, I kind of missed that in my little tirade earlier about like the dates and all that stuff but i i, I definitely trust that next year is going to be way more smoother. It's just the growing pains of, uh, you know, organizational change. So, I mean, it happens to everybody. Um, so going into the tough four, kind of throwing these back at you now, uh, as a player, um, do you currently have a career highlight? And if you do, what is it? Um, I don't know. I kind of, I guess, I guess there's two, um, for, for Kentucky, obviously the trip to, uh, James Madison University's beast. Um, that was probably when I realized, like, wow, this is something. And I guess in that instance, I made like three catches in a row, back to back, and it was—I don't know how I did it. And that's that's when I learned I needed to wear knee pads. <laughs> and and the 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 trip did as well show me, you know, the family and you know bonding side of being on a dodgeball team. Um. Uh, for Ball State, I'd probably have to say, um, you know, when you start a team and you see, like, the first point you guys get, and then when you get your first legit win, those are moments that you probably could never get a different feeling from. That's that's just something that you have to do it to experience it. It's really something. It makes you feel like you did something. You know, you put something out there, and you made such an impact on people's lives. That's cool, man. Yeah, because, I mean – if not, you know, not to butter you up or anything, but if not for you, that those people would not be there. They would not be experiencing the rush of that first point or that first win. Like that was literally not going to happen until you decided to, to create it, so to speak. So that is a, that's gonna be a pretty cool feeling, man, especially out of nothing. Um, hopefully it's way too soon to be asking this question, but have you ever given thought to what dodgeball looks like or what life looks like after dodgeball? Yeah, I have, 
I have thought of that actually, at least with NCDA, but I guess this is a good place to advertise it. But uh, currently working on starting a second team up here in Indiana. Um, that would that'll be at the IUPUI, which is in Indianapolis. Um, that's pretty much Indiana University, Purdue University, Indianapolis. It's a really long name. It's gonna suck putting that on <laughs> stuff for <laughs> advertising the club. Right. But um, I'm planning on going for my PhD there, so I'm not done yet with the NCDA. Okay. But it definitely definitely crossed my mind um, what the end of the NCDA would look like, and I I don't think that's something anybody wants to think about because you know there's so, so many memories that are made but you know that day is eventually going to come or i'm going to have to be like yeah this is this is my last game this is my last point this is my last time oh, on man. the court <clears throat> yeah that, that is a very scary thought man um i don't know if you know rob hometown Immel, but you want to talk about like ancient fossils such as myself he's been along he's been around about as long as I have. And, uh, he says that he, what he looks forward to the most is just the next time he gets to, to take the court, whether it's open gym league tournament of any kind. So on the reverse, like just thinking, this is it. This is the last time I'm going to suit up. This is the last time I can get thrown at. Um, that's dark. So we'll move on to, uh, something a little bit lighter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other one is, um, what do you, it's kind of like a two-part question, I guess, but what do you want to achieve in dodgeball and what pushes you to get better or what has pushed you to get better to this point? Um, this that's a pretty, that's a pretty big question there. Um, I guess one of the things I wanted to achieve was, you know, make a difference in someone's life. Um, you know, we've had people from all different backgrounds come into dodgeball and you can see the impact of it. So I guess I can say I've achieved that, but I guess, what I really want to achieve is kind of sealing the deal with Indiana, like uh, starting the teams and colleges here to get us established, you know, don't expect to take national titles or anything, but once we get the team started, they can, they can grow on their own. And one thing that I've always wanted ever since moving back to Indiana is to have a Indiana dodgeball cup. You know, there's, there's the Ohio dodgeball cup. You know, Michigan has theirs. Kentucky had theirs. I'm not sure. I don't know if they had it last year. It's really weird what's what's gone on with Western Kentucky. Hmm. But I know that's that's one thing I always wanted to, you know, do is get an Indiana Dodgeball Cup established. And I mean, you know what? Like that's all the teams you started, you know. See which one's best. <laughs> <laughs> Can't really side on all of them, you know, but Yeah, yeah, um, you gotta pick your favorite. Yeah, I guess what's pushed me to do better, um, you know, you can always you can always get better, and you can always get worse. So if you're not making progress, you know, I take I take that as motivation to do better. You know, you kind of get in like a slum, and you're like, oh, this is bad. So then you push yourself. You get other people. You look. You search out other options like playing playing against other people, putting yourselves in putting yourself in more challenging positions um and also just you know looking up to veterans and how they play and trying to reach their level of play or beyond i mean there's people you know that obviously look up to me as a player but like they, they might not realize like i still look up to people you know that like i want to be like hmm. 
So I feel that's, you know, looking up to people and always having goals. Um, I guess one of my goals is I am terrible with like close combat on the court because I'm not that I'm not a guy that blocks too much. So that's probably my biggest weak point is close combat. So I've always tried to put myself in those close quarters, close combat positions to uh, eventually get better at that. Nice. So putting in some uh, CQC in uh, in dodgeball, just uh, I mean, pinch, forget about it. I mean, I'm not getting anywhere near people. Uh, so good, good <laughs> on you for that. I'd rather just start throwing fists. But um, it, it's tough, man. Like when somebody's, you know, got like notorious for like you know high 50s, 60 mile per hour throw, and they're right up in your right up in your space. Like that's uh, that's some quick reflex stuff right there. So it, it definitely makes it interesting. Um, but pinch, yeah. Again, that I mean, that's one way to get out of your comfort zone. So, hopefully, we didn't expose a weakness of yours with that. But um, last but not least, um, what is your favorite dodgeball memory to date? Oh man, I probably have three, and it's hard to it's hard to put one at the top because they're all good. Okay. But um, for Ball State, um, when we went to University of North Georgia for their tournament couple i don't remember what year it was it had to have been like a year or two ago let's see 28 it would have, it would have been 2018 i think and i'm not i'm not kidding i'm not making this up i swear so we're coming home i'm driving my alternator goes out in my car it's like 9 30 at night we're going down this hill and i see this like shed and i'm not kidding i roll into this dude's shed and he is literally a like car mechanic. So like he was just closing up. I felt so bad. I was like, my alternator went out. I'm going to have to go like walk to buy one. And at like 1030 at night, I'm changing out my alternator in this random dude's garage in Georgia. Letting he's letting me use his tools, everything. And <laughs> I mean, Southern, Southern hospitality, like you can't get any better than that. And, um, you know, I had like a whole carload of people. So they're like camping out, waiting to go while I'm frantically NASCAR pit crewing an alternator into my car. Dang. <laughs> so. Man, I guess if, uh, if your car's going to break down, you're, you're the guy to be with, um, to pull that off. Yeah. I mean, like, what would you, I mean, at least where we were at, there was like, you're you're in the sticks like you're not around civilization so like dang that's crazy <laughs> i guess the the second one's not ncda related that's the that's the trip uh myself and keegan short took to uh, elite nationals in 2018 when we played with cat five that was that was a wild trip um there's so many things that happened on that trip you know, pretty much all started out with the exhaust on the car falling off. Where you guys going through about Illinois, that? Going through Illinois, and it's a ten, it was like it was like an eleven hour road trip, oh, and that a uh, that a uh, muffler flew off, and all you hear is like the sound of like a <laughs> a big old rumble, and you try to sleep and you can't. And uh, you know we're a bunch of broke college students, so we ended up sleeping out of in in his car the whole time no ac you know seats leaned back sleeping got the blankets out windows down hoping someone's not gonna like rob you through the door through the window Jeez. 
and uh we started joking about it um because he has a chevy impala we would be like we'd be telling people at the nationals were like yeah we're staying at the law impala inn <laughs> and people actually thought we were talking about like a legit like hotel and they started asking us like all these questions about like oh what kind of rate did you guys get where's it at <laughs> and oh, man. you know we ended up like sleeping in walmart the walmart parking lot close to the venue and oh man it was i'm pretty sure like the pinnacle i don't know who it was i think it was who drove the 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 like panel van to nationals was that vince marchbanks oh man i'm trying to remember and um, them i remember the van but, um, <clears throat> yeah it's, it's escaping me right now we're uh we're parked out front of the venue like waking up and they roll in and see us like <laughs> leaning the seats forward like getting you know getting ready to get ready to get dressed and all that it's like oh god they know something's up what's going on <laughs> probably a bunch of weird guys or something but you know you gotta you gotta do what you gotta do to play some dodgeball you know sacrifice i'll say man um that was that's quite the experience for me too just like on my end like meeting you in person um because one of the things that we haven't really gotten into in this podcast was just the fact that or how i know you and obviously because of ball estate you'd reached out to talk about potential sponsorships or discounted items and, and stuff of that nature and um Try not to make this like an advertisement for Ball State by any means, um, with any respect to any of these episodes. But um, I, I was very impressed with you. I was like, this guy has some drive. Like he's literally starting a club out of nowhere. Um, he's down to go to Minnesota. Um, but like, you know, who are you in person? You know what I mean? Like, because you know, you talk to people online, you don't really get an idea for like who they are until you actually meet them. But you and Keegan were just like so clutch in making our debut actually happen. Um. And I just remember like one of my favorite pictures is of Keegan just at the table with his arms up and uh, just ball state everywhere. I was like, this is the coolest freaking thing in the world. Cause this was like nothing a year ago. I didn't even know this guy, like, you know, two days ago. So, uh, yeah, I remember you tell me about the exhausters. I was like, Oh my God, what, what's going on with this, these guys? Like, we had to like, uh, we, we had to like sleep on the knee pad boxes, like on the way up. We didn't have any place to stay. <laughs> yeah, uh, so that's that's another thing too. Is you guys ended up being uh, pack meals for us. So you, uh, I think Grace had shipped you a yeah. box full of stuff, and and you guys were willing to to bring it up. And I was just like, "Did we do this to your exhaust? Like, did the knee pads do that? <laughs> like, what happened here?" <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's just it, it's a real testament to like just what dodgeball is right now. Like the 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 sacrifices people make the. The, the not so glamorous aspect of dodgeball is still still there like you know um yeah man i, I can a lot of my memory it's funny you mentioned the the fixing the car in the shed because there's, there's a lot of memories that i have that are not necessarily on the court it's what happens like in between to get there um that makes this sport so crazy but um you listed off two what was your what was your third oh it's probably the I have I actually have a video of this, so I could probably send it to you. But um, we stayed at uh, for Akron their tournament called the War um, last year. We stayed at this really sketch hotel, and I'm not gonna lie, for fifty bucks a night, you wouldn't think it was like a fifty dollar a night hotel, but um, place reeked of like cigarette smoke and like 
body odor and everything. But like, it was actually really nice. And the whole team gets up in the morning. We go down to like get breakfast, and there's this lady just like screaming, like chewing out the the staff there about a security deposit to stay because you had to like submit like a security deposit to um you know stay there because of uh if you like smoke in your room like they can take your security deposit whatnot right well they they made so much money off their security deposit like (laughs) they can charge like nothing for the rooms (laughs) so they eventually call the cops on her and we're just sitting there eating this cheap breakfast and the cop rolls up and the cop is like um you wouldn't think he's a cop. You'd think he would just be like a fake guy in uniform. Just goes up there, is like, t- starts talking to this lady. She gets like really like furious with him and all this. And I'm like, okay, we're going somewhere else for breakfast. So then we end up going to the Waffle House, which is in the stupidest part. You can't even get to it. We did so many illegal vehicle maneuvers getting there. <laughs> and we ended up in a speedway. And I was like, okay, screw this. I'm not getting back out on the highway. So I literally just drove down this grass embankment into the Waffle House parking lot. And we get in there. And, you know, it's the, it's the usual. I'm assuming you've been to Waffle House before. You know, it's usually the, the pretty good Waffle House welcome, you know, sit wherever. Yeah. So we're like, okay, we can do this. This dude just starts talking and talking about the most – inappropriate disgust it's it's so gross i'm not even gonna mention it on the podcast it was just just terrible and the whole team is like what the (laughs) is going on here and then he starts going on about like how he was in prison for like five years and he just got out and that his life is so much better now but like between like the very inappropriate discussion he just had out of nowhere with us for breakfast was pretty bad but the team also bonded over the claw machine where we actually, it was actually my first time winning something out of a claw machine. So that was pretty cool. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I feel the most favorite dodgeball memories definitely come from off court, um, experiences, you know, when you really get to bond with your team, do something fun outside of dodgeball. Well, yeah, it's like that, that sense of adventure, you know, you're traveling with your, with your comrades, so to speak. And then, you know, who knows what kind of crazy nonsense happens in between, you know, home to the, to the actual tournament. Um, especially for dodgeball, cause you're not getting paid to go there. You're not, you're not getting flown out there. You open yourself up to all kinds of experiences on the road. And like, just Lord knows they probably have a whole podcast on, on mine or just people's people's in general. But, um, those are the things that like, I feel you, you can't, uh, you can't replicate that on the court. You can't tell people that are brand new to the sport, hey, just so you know, there's like some intangible benefits um, outside of you know just dodgeball. Like you just have to experience it and and let that be part of the whole dodgeball experience. Um, but you can't you can't replicate any of that. But it it makes it I don't know that much more I don't know like awesome or or endearing. So um, I think that's I think that's all I got, man. Um, Definitely curious to see like how the remainder years of Ball State go for you. Um, same thing with the other school you mentioned, the IDPUI. Yeah, it's IUPUI. It's it's really long. I can just message it to you if you want if you want me to. Yeah, for sure. And then um, 
yeah, just, uh, I don't know if this will open up to any discussion on, you know, what, uh, how we can make more, uh, exposure to the NCDA, but, um, even in dabbling in that in this episode, it was good, man, but, um, definitely, uh, want to go ahead and end the interview there. All right. So that was my interview with, uh, Kevin Fry and, um, Again, without trying to sound like I'm constantly repeating myself, but it is really hard to avoid rabbit holes, especially with respect to Kevin, because he offers a very unique perspective. And this is definitely something I wanted to take my time with as well. Um, Cause it's really hard to establish not only his, um, his story, so to speak of, you know, being introduced into dodgeball through the NCDA, but transitioning to elite or what will be now, now be known as premier. But then also just trying to pick his brain, understand, you know, what goes on when you are trying to set up a, a dodgeball club, let alone start up from scratch. So um, I am a huge uh, fan of the NCDA. As I've said in previous episodes, I've, I've wanted to have the NCDA in Arizona in some capacity since 2006. Um, I, I just cannot believe that this huge resource is not... Um, I don't want to say it's not being taken advantage of, but the more time I can spend talking about it, the happier I am. So I'm more than happy to continue these conversations. I would love to have Kevin back on and just speak to just what it's like to be um, a club president. Um, but that all depends as well on, you know, what you guys would like to, to hear. So if there was anything that you feel like we should have covered more, please, by all means, do not hesitate to let me know. I'd be more than happy to, to have Kevin back on or Jacob or uh, Felix or anybody else from the NCDA and just keep talking about this until um, we get dodgeball to where we want to get it. But um, thank you as always to everyone that submitted your questions. Um, and yeah, I think I'll just go ahead and leave it at that. So if you are still listening, thank you so much for doing so. Have a, a great rest of your evening, a great rest of your weekend, and we'll see you next time. to share memes and articles and call BS. Um, it is ridiculous though, but uh, before I get suicided, um, I probably shouldn't have said that out loud. Might have to edit that out.